Hey guys, and welcome back to an episode of the Finding Your Freedom podcast with me, Madeline. Super excited to have you guys here with me and so excited for today's episode. So if you're new to the podcast, this is a podcast all about finding your freedom from your family's beliefs, society's beliefs, past trauma and pain, and really connecting to the authentic and genuine you and creating a life from that place. So super excited to have you guys here with me and excited to dive into today's episode, which is my third episode on astrology. And I think astrology is such a good tool at, you know, understanding our true self, our authentic self, and, you know, really connecting to our true nature. So (laughs) super excited about that. Um, As far as any businessy updates, you can still look at the links in my show notes to uh, book a reading or a coaching call that will be kind of changing up soon. So stay tuned on that. And yeah, follow me at my new kind of smaller Instagram page um, at Madeline B. Bailey. Uh, that's going to be kind of a different space and community. So yeah, follow me there. And let's see, not going to do any life updates today. I'm really excited to get into today's episode. It's been so fun editing it and just getting it out to you guys. I love astrology and I love (laughs) Jessica Lignato, today's guest. She is, you know, so fun and so genuine and just you know has such an amazing wealth of knowledge on astrology and (laughs) we talked about a lot of different things kind of diving deeper into into houses and aspects and also touching on medical astrology which was really really interesting to yeah learn more about and (laughs) it was funny there's this interesting point that I that I cut out of the episode, but I wanted to mention about diabetes, that um, diabetes is caused by sugar, (laughs) not fat. So if anyone needed that reminder, and I also left something out talking about alcohol and drinking that just made me think that I have a few episodes on alcohol, maybe just one about being sober curious. So if that's something you're considering going into the new year, definitely let me know. (laughs) Send me a DM on Instagram or listen to that episode. The past two years I've taken, the past two Decembers off of alcohol and really, really enjoyed it. So I might have an episode coming on that soon. But yeah, I want to tell you a little bit more about today's guest. So with more than 25 years of experience as a consulting astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, Jessica Lignato believes no topic is off-limits or unworthy of kindness. Lignato is the host of the popular weekly astrology and advice, advice show where she sometimes does animal communication readings, ghost of a podcast, and the author of Astrology for Real Relationships. Jessica can be found on Instagram and at lovewinyato.com. Learn with her at patreon.com slash jessicawinyato. 
And yeah, all those links will be in the show notes. So definitely check her out. Yeah. So let's get into the episode, guys. So the first question that I ask everyone, because it's the Finding Your Freedom podcast, is what have you been finding your freedom from lately? Oh, the patriarchy. It's never ending. <laughs> I mean, I'm, tr- I'm doing my best, my, my level best. <laughs> yeah, what does finding your freedom from the patriarchy look like? I mean, it... For me, it looks like consistently considering what I do, how I do it, and my motivations for doing it, Um, having a critical relationship to capitalism, this ableism in this goddamn pandemic, Um, you know, making sure that I am considering the kind of world at large and not being like a nationalist, which I feel like is such a patriarchal structure and really just thinking about people in all regions of the world. Like it is kind of never ending. So I, I, I guess I could say it in a much more simplistic and much less political way to say, um, I am committed to being a critical thinker who doesn't just think with their mind, but also their hearts. Yes, yes. <laughs> we you. like that. We like that here. Thank you. Deconstructing capitalism and, you know, looking at things from a broader lens. So it sounds like a lifelong journey of that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. 100%. Yes. For everyone on the planet right now. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Not everyone. We yeah. have a lot of proof that not everyone. Um, but yes, a lot of people, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I'm really excited to dive all into astrology. I've already, I've had two other astrologers on and just, you know, love talking about it, but I was just really excited hearing about your story. You know, you've been doing this for for a while, so I'd love to hear more about how you got started and some of the other things that you do. Okay, Um, so I got my first astrology book as my 12th birthday present. And I took my first formal astrology class in CJEP. I'm from Montreal, Quebec, where the school system is different. So um, I was, I know, 18, 17, 18, when I took my first formal kind of college level astrology class. And I studied astrology from a Jungian perspective. So Carl Jung, Jungian perspective, um, an introduction and then an intermediate class. And at the end of the intermediate class, or maybe it was in the middle, I um, realized I was queer and it was the early 1990s. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to move to San Francisco and I'm going to be gay and I'm going to be an astrologer. And I did. Uh, and I've just really committed my life to probably both of those things, but certainly to astrology. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and through, and I kind of just built a private practice and studied and became part of groups because this was all pre-internet times. Um, and I, yeah, I just built my life around the study and practice of astrology and I have no regrets. I don't know if that's too succinct of an answer, but that's, that is the nutshell of an answer. Definitely. And I think that's so exciting that you were, you know, exposed to it so early and had like such a great kind of college level course on it. I feel like that's pretty yeah. rare. I know it is rare. It, I got very lucky. And in fact, those classes were only offered the two semesters I took them in the history of the school that I went to. So um, I got very lucky and um, yeah, I'm very grateful for it. And I will say astrology is so accessible now, you know, you, people don't know anything about astrology, but pull up their birth charts and like try to compare their charts to their crush or whatever. And that was never possible before the internet, before computers, because astrology is a lot of math. Um, but so in a way it's more accessible, but on the other hand, I think it's, I I'm grateful that I learned before it was so accessible because people, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. There's so many voices. There's so many, um, so much misinformation and information. And, you know, I think it, it can be really complicated for people who are really trying to learn a thing to be like, well, what? this blog says this, then that post says that, what am I supposed to actually believe here? Like, I do not know. And I think now uh, people don't need to meet other astrologers. Like they don't have to ever speak to an actual astrologer to feel like they're learning astrology, which means they're potentially not learning real astrology. And that is a bummer for somebody like me who's like dedicated my life to astrology. So yeah. So there's like, there's pros and cons to it, I think, but um Overall, I'm just overjoyed that there. if there's going to be, I'd rather there be too many cooks in the kitchen than not enough cooks in the kitchen when it comes to like, you know, sharing data. But, you know, there's pros and cons of everything. And uh, yeah, that, that I guess that's what I'll say about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I think you've made a point on other podcasts that there's like many types of astrologers. And I think you know, I've had other astrologers on the show and like, you know, followed some on Instagram or watched their videos. And I think it's like super interesting, your approach. And I know you've called it like humanistic. And I, I mean, I love your podcast, of course, and I love Thank you. personal and, and like, you can just tell that this is something that you've devoted your life to. And it's just so in depth and, you know, so interesting to hear like all the intricacies of astrology and also, I'm kind of assuming on the podcast, there's a little bit of um, being a psychic, which I would love to hear about that as well. And animal communication, how that got started. Yeah. So I had a really unusual kind of like foray into it. And again, some of this, it's like for context, pre-internet times. Um, I mean, just as context, because I had an astrology private practice, which means I was meeting with clients, consulting with them, you know, is my full-time living. And I, you know, people were like, you're psychic. And I'd be like, no, I'm a good astrologer. And I didn't believe in psychics and I didn't believe in animal communication. I did. I did not. I was that Capricorn jerk. I was like, it's not possible. Um, and I was wrong. And, uh, I, I would have these experiences where I was like, meh, 
maybe I'm intuitive, but maybe I'm just like, you know, a good astrologer or kind of guessed or landed well. And it started happening that more and more people were like, will you do this thing for me? That is like a psychic thing. And I'd be like, well, I can't, but you're paying me and you're asking me to, so I will try for you. And I would say exactly that to them. And um, yeah, and thank God I had bad boundaries at the time because through that, I was like, well, I guess I'm really accurate. So more and more, I had these experiences that built on each other to the point where I was like, I, I cannot deny that this is happening. And then as I started more consciously and intentionally using my psychic skills, the mediumship started to come through. So dead people started to come through. And that was not something I planned on or wanted, um, but it happened. And so I had to learn how to work with that. And in the mix of all that, I realized that I could communicate with my cat. And then I was like, well, if I can communicate with my cat, then maybe I can communicate with animals in general. And I found that that was yes, true. So, and I can like share more about how that happened, but, but it was just kind of, um, you know, for me, it was organic to my lifestyle because my life was already doing full-time astrology work. Right. So it was, it was like a kind of a natural expression in a way. Um, yeah. And I, I really love doing all of that stuff. And um, in all of these things, I'm pretty, pretty self-taught. Um, so I've definitely worked with um, one particular woman who's taught me so much. Her name is Nikki Sachi, but I, um, but I haven't like taken courses on psychic or animal communication or mediumship stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's always, um, I don't know, I wouldn't say the best ones, but they're not like looking for these things or to become a psychic or to become a medium. It kind of just like happens. And I, I think it like even speaks more highly of it that you were like, this couldn't be possible. And you're like, <laughs> Why does this keep happening then? <laughs> yeah, it was really, it was a very intense experience. And, you know, maybe that's true. And also I definitely know people who were like, I, I kind of think I have this like spark in me, but I'm going to take classes and I'm going to develop it. And they have, I mean, you can become very highly skilled and, um, even if it's not supernatural, so not supernatural, but like, <laughs> even though if it's not super organic for you, is what I'm trying to say, it's all supernatural. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, for just to not discourage people who are like, not easily, uh, just like flowing with it in the way I just described, you know, it, it can be taught, it can be learned. Yeah. I, I, so as far as the animal communication stuff, I listened to a podcast and it sounds like you can just like know the animal's name and be able to like tune into their energy, just like a human. So, so I don't know their name without a human telling me, but the way I get energy off of the way I connect, and this is something that, um, early on in the development of my psychic and mediumship skills, I had to figure out a way to have boundaries. And so one of the ways I did was I just kind of set this boundary with the spirit world. I will get information once I have a name, like only once I have a name, because otherwise I was walking around. I mean, it was awful. I was just being constantly inundated by information. And so now the way it works is if I'm trying to like psychic someone or, you know, talk to an animal, I'll ask for their name. And it's a way for me to kind of like log into their, their energy as for lack of a better way to say it. And so, yeah, once I start connecting with an animal, it's, it's not, 
it just kind of is there. And I should also say some animals don't want to talk to me. Like I have two cats and I love them both very much. And one of them, she doesn't care. She doesn't want to talk to me that much. She's not that interested. You know what I mean? Like she's just not the kind of person she is. And whereas my, my boy cat is like, yeah, he'll sit around and like seriously talk to me. So, um, yeah, it's like a personality thing a little bit and not, not all animals want to talk to me or to people in general. And I think that that's something that people don't think about with animal communication. It's like, just because a dog can talk to you doesn't mean they want to talk to you or they want to talk at all um, because they're not humans. Like we're so centered around communication and different animals are different in that regard. So, and different people are different in that regard, like different individuals are different in that regard, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I was really wondering about the name thing. And that's super interesting. I know on the podcast too, when you're, you're using astrology, but sometimes you'll ask people's full names and it will bleep out. And I was like, yeah, I was like, how, but that makes sense that maybe it's like, it's a contract and it's like, oh, okay. I'll log into their information now. That's really, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly it. And for me, um, you know, I will, I can not only see energy off of a human's, like a person's name, but I see energy, like if, if I ask you, what's your full name? And you're like Jane Doe, but your full name is actually Jane Elizabeth Doe. Um, then I can see that something's missing. You know, you left out Elizabeth. And there's usually a reason why we leave out a part of our designation. And I think that um, that has its own energy. You know, the parts of ourselves we claim, the parts of ourselves we don't. And kind of on the tip of trying to uh, <laughs> smash the damn patriarchy, um, people always tell me their their government name, you know, your first name, your father's last name. How many of us were primarily raised by our damn fathers? My goodness, right? So that's ridiculous. Our energy is linked to our mothers most of the time, much more than our fathers. And so I get completely different data from the mother's last name than the father's last name. And from a spiritual perspective, I completely reject the idea that children should be named after their fathers. I, I understand why we do it. I mean, the reason why we do it is so that men can have ownership over their children, because otherwise, how would we know who the child belongs to? I mean, this is legally why we do it. Um, but from a spiritual, energetic, emotional perspective, it makes no sense for a child to be carried for nine months through a human frame and then be pushed out and given someone else's name. Um, so anyways, I always ask for the mother's maiden name and that also gets cut out of the podcast because why would I publicize people's mother's maiden name on a podcast? <laughs> but, uh, but I always ask it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm like remembering on some sort of episode that there, we'll get into this later, I guess, when we talk a little bit more about the chart and can transition there, but I, I can remember an episode where you were saying like, something to do with like, I'm thinking this is you, something to do with like cancer, like your Venus or something. If it's a certain sign, it relates to like a wound, maybe from like your mother's side. Is there some part of the chart? Definitely not Venus. Um, <laughs> you know, th that's a, okay. So, so I'm not sure what you're referring to and it could have been me. It could have been someone else. And it also could be that you heard me say something to someone about their specific chart, but it wasn't like an astrological truism, if you know what I mean. Um, because I might look at your birth chart and be like, oh, this Venus dynamic for you is clearly related to uh, like a wound in your matrilineage. And I might look at your besties chart 
and see, oh, this Venus, you know, dynamic for you is not related to a wound at all, or it's related to your father's line and wounding there. So when we see things in the birth chart and we're looking at it from uh, kind of an ancestral perspective, when we're looking at inherited conditions, there is no planet from my perspective or dynamic that is by law always related to the mother's side or the father's side because gender is a goddamn construct right and so um a lot of times we'll see like the patriarchal parent or the matriarchal parent you know or we'll see like the more nurturing pa parent or the less nurturing parent and you can guess fill in the blanks on who that is but it's not actually about gender um at all it, it's not really about gender yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was or what podcast it was, but I, I started looking at like my parents' chart and my chart and if we had similar placements and like, I don't know, in some way trying to think about what that means. What, from your perspective, does it mean if you have a placement of like your mother or father? Parents and children always have crossovers in their chart. How could you have a child who has nothing to do with your chart and your chart has nothing to do with theirs, right? Even if you abandon that child, even if you can't raise that child, your charts are linked inevitably. Um, you share DNA, right? And that said, understanding how to read the kind of trying to think of how to say this in a way that it's not too un unnecessarily complicated. If I'm looking at your birth chart, I can see what was going on with your parents from a year before you were born until you were seven years old. And deeply related to that is I can see what was happening in your parents' childhood. Because when a human has a child, whether it's their first child or their 12th child, it triggers their own childhood shit right? And that's just part of being a human. And so there is this way that when we are looking at um, an individual's chart, or when I'm looking at an individual's chart, we can see your parents, but that's going to be really different than how I would see within your parents' chart, their children. Mm -hmm. Because as you know, your mom might say, I gave you everything and you might say you gave me everything you wanted and not everything I wanted. Right. Like, so our experience of an individual relationship is it's not equal. It's not symmetrical inherently. Like it can be, but it's not like, there's no guarantee, you know? And I think that if we had really symmetrical relationships with our parents, I wouldn't have a very booming career because people wouldn't have trauma. You know what I mean? Like that just yeah. wouldn't be a thing as much. So yeah. 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 Yeah, everyone gets them. Yeah, I think I was I was intrigued by that. And I'll go into my next question because me and my mom, I don't think the only placement that we share is Venus and Cancer, which I just thought was like kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know what it meant, but I was like, that is interesting. So that's not the thing you want to look for. What you want to look for is oppositions and squares. You want to not look for the sameness. You want to look for the conflict because the conflict articulates connection. Do you know what I mean? Like if you think about going to a party and there's just tons of people there, there are inevitably going to be some people where you look at them and you're like, meh, you don't really think about them. You don't really, whatever, who cares? Doesn't, you don't have any bad thoughts or feelings, but you don't have any good ones. Like there's no, there's no zhuzh, right? Mm -hmm. Those are people 
whose charts are just not relevant with yours, right? But the people that have an impact on our lives, it can be tension. It can be like a, a negative tension where it feels like crisis or struggle, or it can be a positive tension where it's like chemistry and like excitement and interest. Um, and that doesn't come from sameness. Too much sameness is boring. Like who's who's vibing with sameness all the damn time? We we need a little bit of judge and tension. So having, you know, Venus and Cancer both, you know, parent and child have that, eh, doesn't mean that much inherently. Um, if it's in the same house, if it has the same aspects, now I'm interested. Now we're gonna talk about it. But if it's just a planet and a sign, it's um it's not good news or bad news on its own. This is where we want to look at the aspects and the house placements. That's where shit gets real interesting, which is, you know, just before we get to your next question to say astrology is very complicated. And this is what I was getting at earlier about how the problem with it being so accessible is that people feel like, Oh, I should just be able to pick it up and understand it without doing any study. Whereas I studied, like I ate, lived and breathed astrology study for years before I started to ask those questions because the internet wasn't there to tell me that I could ask those questions. Right. So that's where like, it is complicated and you know, you're not supposed to be able to just like get it. So don't, you know, don't be sad that you didn't figure that out on your own. Cause why would you basically is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, I think there's good and bad with so many people having access because it gets more people interested, but then it's just like, I hate Scorpios or like Gemini, Gemini's are two-faced or like whatever people say. I literally was just talking about this in an interview about Scorpios and Gemini's specifically, and it drives me bonkers. It's like, every time someone says, I don't like Scorpio, all I hear is you're scared of getting deep and you need validation. Every time someone says, I don't like Gemini's, it's, it just tells me something about their chart. Like imagining that a person is just their sun sign is like imagining, I don't know that a person wears shoes, but only needs one pair and never wears clothes. Like what? It's ridiculous. You don't realize how ridiculous it is if you don't know astrology, because you're like, what shoes? That seems like enough. It is not enough. We need wardrobes you know and the sun sign is just one article of clothing it's not technically the shoes i just chose it because it seemed ridiculous and i wanted to sound ridiculous but that's all (laughs) definitely well my next questions were both on houses and aspects and like i said before i had i guess the other two episodes i had we kind of like you know talked about like sun moon rising venus mars and briefly touched on houses and how they it sounds like really broadly follow the Zodiac with like one through 12, but like what more, I guess, could you tell me about houses or yeah. if anyone wanted to try, try to look at it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sure. So houses are really important in, a, in understanding any kind of birth chart or any kind of chart, event chart. Although if you're asking these questions, do not mess with any event charts, only birth charts is my advice. Um, but um, okay. So when you look at a birth chart in Western astrology, which is the kind of astrology I practice, it's a wheel, right? It's a big circle. And I call it a pizza with 12 slices. Each of the slices we call houses and the houses all have a meaning. The first house always means what it means. The second house always means what it means. However, astrology is a lot of layering of data. So when 
an astrologer asks you for your, or an astrology app asks you for not just your date and year, but your exact time and your location. It's because the only way for us to know which zodiac sign was rising in the Eastern hemisphere at the moment and location of your birth um, is to get that data. And that data, the moment and location of your birth tells us your first house cusp, otherwise known as your rising sign. So you need to know that. And then it tells us where all the other um, zodiac signs fall within your birth chart. And depending on the house system you use, it sounds like maybe the astrologers you spoke with use whole sign houses. I do not fuck with whole sign houses. I don't like them um, unless I'm doing like horoscope writing, something really general. I use something called campanus houses. That's a little complicated. Let me just slow it down to say. There are many different house systems, which are mathematical and also spatial uh, calculations to determine um, how the pieces of the pie, how big they're going to be, and uh, how they're calculated, I guess is the simplest way I can, I can put it. So different systems, different forms of astrology are going to function in different ways, but the first house always means what it means. The second house always means what it means and on and on. But now that I know your rising sign and I can know what zodiac sign is in your first house. So I'm going to take the first house data, then I'll overlay the information of what it means to have that zodiac sign in that house. And then let's say you got a planet in there. Then I'm going to overlay the information of that planet and what it means in that house. Let's say you have no planets there. I'm going to look to the zodiac sign on the house cusp and look at the ruling planet. Where is it in your chart? What is it doing? That gives me information about what's happening in that particular house. So you can see it gets really complicated and overwhelming pretty quickly. And this is the very simplified version, but um, it's layers and layers of data. And we haven't even really done anything now with like the fact that a house can have like three signs in it um it doesn't only have to have one sign in it unless you're using whole sign or uh, equal house system which i again don't use um and we haven't gotten into aspects and we haven't gotten into the planets and all that kind of stuff so it's like again it's to really understand what you're looking at you have to memorize and study a bunch of information or you're kind of locked into reading these like quickie little like three line descriptions of what it means and they're even if they're really accurate for you they're never going to be completely accurate for you and i speak as someone who both writes a horoscope and i've written a book where there are a bunch of these like little descriptions and i like bang my head against the wall writing those things because <laughs> you can't say the whole truth it's it's too complex but the way that we study astrology and the way that people consume astrology, especially pops astrology is looking for quick, simple answers that are going to tell me all about myself or all about my crush or whatever it is. And so it is what it is. Right. Um, but I, I know I'm throwing a lot out there. Did I explain the houses in a way that makes sense? Like do you have any questions about it? Yes. Yes. I think you did. I just, I wanted to clarify. So your rising sign is always the first house. Yes, it is the first house cusp, not the first house, the first house cusp. So here, let me pull back and explain each zodiac sign. So astrology is math. Each zodiac sign is comprised of 30 degrees. So starts at zero degrees, 29 degrees and 15. So each degree has 60 minutes. Away. So 29 degrees and 59 minutes is the last degree 
of any individual sign. And then it goes to zero degrees of the next sign. So if you say to me, I have a Leo rising, I say, okay, cool. But if I really want to know what's going on, I'm going to say, what degree is your rising? And you're going to be like, what's a degree? And I'm going to explain what I just explained. And then we'll come back. So what if your rising sign is, let's say, 24 degrees of Leo? Then you only have six degrees of Leo in the first house. Depending on the size of the house, you may have a full 30 degrees of Virgo, the next zodiac sign um, in your first house, or you may have 15 degrees of Virgo or anything else um, in your first house. So that means your rising sign is Leo, but your first house may be majoritively Virgo and not majoritively Leo. And that will change the flavor of your chart and more in a more human way, it will change the way other people experience you and your comfort with how you're perceived. Okay. Does that make sense? So if I can use a personal example, I have a Capricorn rising. I'm sun, moon, and rising, all Capricorn. But I have very few degrees of Capricorn in my first house. And I have 30 degrees of Aquarius in my first house. And then 15 degrees or something like that of Pisces in my first house. And so people's first impression of me when I'm not talking on a podcast is not Capricorn. Most people in my life have been like, you've got to be an Aquarius rising because I come across as kooky, classic Aquarius stuff. I am not. I am very Capricorn. But the first house is what we wear on our sleeve. It's like what we show the world. And so even though I'm a cap rising and once you get to know me or, you know, you listen to me on my podcast and you really get to hear me, you know, you get to see that cap rising. But the first energies I throw into a room when I enter a party, it's not going to be very Capricorn. It's going to be Aquarian. So again, you really need to understand the richness of that first house. It's important to focus on the, the rising sign, but it's not the only information that's important when trying to understand our first house energies, AKA the energies we like throw into the world. That makes sense. Yeah. That's super, super interesting. I'm definitely going to look at that um, later. I'm already like making a prediction in my head about it. Cause I'm, I'm a Gemini rising. Um, and I'm like, I'm like, could I be something else too? But I, I feel pretty Gemini rising. I'm not sure. We'll, well see. Your Gemini, unless you have, the chances that you don't have any cancer in your first house are slim, right? Unless you have a really early degree Gemini rising, which is totally possible. But chances are that you have some cancer in your first house. Cancer is the sign that comes after uh, Gemini. And so that cancer in the first house is going to make you a little more shy, a little bit more um, sensitive to people's energies, a little more more emo than a typical Gemini rising would be. A typical Gemini rising is just like, blah, 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 blah. It's like talking to people, processing data, all that kind of stuff. Gemini rising is like always talk with their hands. Are you somebody who talks with your hands a lot? Sometimes, not on a podcast. I feel like I definitely don't on a podcast. Interesting. You know, again, that makes me think you have a lot more cancer in your first house, because I imagine if you're not talking with your hands, when you're doing something like a podcast, it's because you're emotionally present and things kind of slow down to reach your emotions so you can connect. Right. Does, does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting. I mean, is there kind of like a thing where it could be like 50, 50? So it's like, I kind of present confusingly to people like really friendly, but then also 
Well, that's a Gemini rising for you, honey. I mean, that's what we're here to say is Gemini's the twins, right? Um, but I, I mean, your rising sign is your rising sign is your rising sign. But it is not the full first house. It's not the full picture of how you come across. And we start to get into these kinds of details of like, you know, on paper, Gemini risings talk with their hands. But if you have enough cancer in the first house, or depending on the planetary aspects to your rising sign or your ascendant, two names for the same thing, um, you know, that'll change things. It'll make you different. And this is what's really important is that when so many people's whole relationship with astrology is like blog posts, memes, three sentence descriptions, you don't get the nuance. And then it starts to seem like astrology is not quite that accurate because it doesn't completely encompass who you are. But really what it is, is a highly nuanced and sensitive system for understanding the human condition that pop culture is incapable, incapable of doing justice to. And then on top of it, in today's world, we have so many people who are truly students of astrology and don't have a lot of experience yet, but are presenting themselves or being held as experts and no shade. I was a young astrologer once and you know, whatever, but I mean like not chronologically young person, but like I was in early stages of my career at one time, but the way that the internet works, it's like whoever's best at social media has the most eyes, ears, whatever. And that's not necessarily the best astrologer, you know what I'm saying? Or the best anything in any industry across boards. Um, So I think it's really important when using astrology to take it with a grain of salt, not because I think astrology itself should be taken with a grain of salt, but because, you know, what's our source and how deep is our study? Like, what are you really in it for? Is it just to like get a like quick aha or is it for something deeper? Cause you know, that's different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely t- relate to what you're saying. I feel like for me, you know, I haven't been studying it as long, but I have like a master's degree in neuroscience and there's so much pop neuroscience psychology stuff on TikTok and Instagram. And I'm like, none of this stuff is right about the brain. Like, and these people have hundreds of thousands of followers. Well, this is the thing. When you're not actually getting a degree in neuroscience, you have time to amass hundreds of thousands of followers, <laughs> like, because it's like a different interest. It's like, if you read a book, this is, this is, and this is like, I'm so glad that you share that because it's like, if I read a book about neuroscience or about the brain in some way, and I'm like, I don't know anything about this, but this made sense to me. So then I can go and talk to people about it in such a basic way that I just learned from some writer. So I'm not giving them credit. I'm being like, I just learned this thing. Let me tell you. And then you don't know anything about it. So you're like, yes, that's amazing. And then an actual neuroscientist or anyone who's at all educated on the field is like, that's like a piece of a concept and it does not work like that. And I think that's the frustrating thing about the internet, you know, and it's the frustrating thing about us being at a time where we do not prioritize aging. We do not prioritize experts. We have like, I think a lot of real problems between like generations so that younger people are like, oh, older people and just that's it. And now with the internet, younger people have access to each other. And so don't have to learn from people who actually have more lived experience or more study or whatever it is. And it like, it breaks, it breaks my heart, honestly, because it is, um, 
it breaks my heart for lots of reasons, including but not limited to, it means that the young people of today are going to have a much harder time aging uh, because they don't have a relationship to like multi-generational relationships, you know, and this is like in particular an issue for people with Pluto and Sagittarius, which, you know, is just like Pluto problems, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have Pluto and Sagittarius, but I was going to say that like about, you know, college and my master's degree, probably like the best part about that was learning from so many different ages. You know, there would be a professor in their thirties and one that was like 75, you know, right. and you learn right. something uniquely different from each person that was not even their subject matter, but it also had me thinking, and I'm, I'm going to have to convince some neuroscientists of this, but that the brain and astrology are a lot alike, you know, the, the yes. galaxy and the mind are so complex and trying to like explain like one part of the nervous system when like there's billions, millions of connections is just kind of silly. <laughs> uh, agreed. And you know, you, most people are surprised when I share that I have a fair amount of neuroscientist clients because when you get into um, I'm sorry, not neuroscientists. It's, uh, I'm just, I blanked on it because we're using that word, but it is quantum physicists. That's what I'm trying to say. Totally different thing, but in the closer in the family. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, people in medical fields and stuff like that, a fair amount. And it's, I think that if you're curious, if you're curious about the world and about the brain and about what we don't know, including but not limited to how tiny amounts of our brain we use and how very little modern medicine understands about the brain. I mean, we know so little for all that we know about the brain. To me, it's always kind of shocking to see how quickly out of pocket people would be like, that's not possible. How do you know? I know what I use my brain for. It's And I know it's different than what a lot of people use their brains for. But it, I don't think it's like gifts from Jesus. I think it's I'm using my brain in a particular way, like my neurological system in a particular way. And I do think that the more one learns about science, the more things become possible uh, in, in some ways, depending on your nature and what you're learning, I guess. But I think I, that's, that's my hot take not being at all in your field. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say my hot take is that I've, I feel like, um, scientists seem like a lot more open to what we don't know and doctors seem that they think yeah. they know more is what I've gathered yeah. or think that research is fact when it's not. Agreed. And I think some of that's the difference in your education, right? It's like your, your field is encouraged to be constantly questioning and seeking and learning. And your field is more predicated on the concept of like, we're constantly discovering, whereas doctors are supposed to make money for corporations back to smashing the goddamn patriarchy. I mean, that really is so much of what the problem is, is that, you know, there's a bottom line there and it's, it's a, we're living through some pretty messed up times. That's yeah. a whole other topic, but <laughs> I, I agree with your hot take as well. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there are some amazing doctors that are always trying to stay up to date on research and some that don't take it as fact, but there's a lot that don't just, think about the basis of knowledge that they're speaking on, but I could, I could talk about that all day. So I'll kind of yes. give it up to, to aspects. And, you know, so we have all these houses, we have, we have signs that are in planets and then, you know, what are aspects? What's like a general way to describe them? Sure. So 
each planet that we use for astrology has its own meaning, right? And then what we do is we look at, let's say we were looking at the astrology for today. What I would do is I would look at, okay, for instance, I happen to know Mars is at, I think, like 22 degrees of Gemini today. And Neptune is at 22 degrees of Pisces today. And I know that those two um, signs sit 90 degrees apart from each other. And that forms a square. They're exactly square to each other today, which is just a coincidence that this is what's happening. And I'm just sharing it. But this means we are going through, this is an aspect that Mars and Saturn are making. I'm sorry, Mars and Neptune are making. Um, and the way that we know this is because of the sign and the degree, right? And this is where like astrology is math and you need to know the degrees of that a planet is falling within a zodiac sign. And when we're looking at something like aspects in a birth chart versus what I just described as happening today, which is a transit, it's just, it's kind of like we're calling it something different because of the way it's being applied, but it's the same concept. Understanding the relationship between planets allows us to understand either the nature of a person, of an event, of a time, or what we're going through, how long it'll last, and what we're meant to learn. It's so helpful. It's so helpful. And what we do is we work with different orbs of influence. So for um, a transit, we might use, you know, a three-degree orb. And for um, a, a natal aspect, we might use a seven-degree orb. So we just use like different orbs of influence because they're different things, but they're basically the same thing. Did that make sense? And it's hard for me to know. Yes. Okay, great. It's like, you know, when your head is like super weedy and you're trying to like get straight to like, here's a cute flower that you will understand. Okay, good. And it worked. It worked. Okay, cool. Thank you. Definitely. Um, so, okay. I Just as an example, you know, I went on your website and if you normally Google a chart, maybe, I don't think it tells you aspects, but on your website, it says, I don't know. I don't know. How many is typical aspects to have in a chart? Is that never paid attention to what's typical or how many? So here's a fun fact. Um, Yeah. So because I am an astrologer and I know what all of this means, I don't need to see an aspect list. I can do the the aspects in, in my mind with math, basic math. Um, So that's a fun fact. Um, So you are a Virgo you're a double Gemini. Okay. Hold on. Let's see what your rising sign is. Do, 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 do. Oh yeah. My dude, your rising sign is 29 degrees of Gemini. So your first house is lots of cancer. Um, and your moon's in this, in the 12th house. So wait, what were you asking me again? Ground me into it because I've already lost the damn thread. <laughs> I think I was just asking about <laughs> aspects. And if you looked at them, like, you know, someone that maybe isn't an astrologer, like what, would you be able to know, or is there anything to like look for? What, like, what would it mean? I mean, if you're not an astrologer, that's, it's kind of like, I mean, this is going to, I'm going to try to pander to you and I don't think I'm going to do a good job. Get ready. Um, But like, that's like, if you showed me a picture of a brain and I was like, tell me how to, as somebody who doesn't know anything about the brain, how to make sense of the brain, you, what would you say? Like, what would you say? Like, if you, like, how could you look at this and make sense of it? is a good question because the answer is, I don't think you could, that doesn't make any sense. You would have to get a good book is the answer, or you'd have to hire an astrologer if you don't 
if you haven't studied astrology, and I know that's an annoying answer, but also, you know, that's how things work. If you, you know what I mean? Like if you want to know how to, uh, I don't know, it's hard. It's like, if you want to know how to drive a car, you could take a driving lesson. You could maybe watch it on YouTube and try to learn that way. This is a little more in depth than just like that. So when I look at this, I can tell you, um, okay. So for instance, in your, in your birth chart, it says here that Venus is at 27 degrees and 52 minutes of cancer and Mars is at 27 degrees and, of, and four minutes of cancer. I don't know if you can see that. Um, but, uh, those two planets are sitting directly on top of each other. That's called a conjunction. Once you've determined that, or you just scroll down and you saw that it wrote it out in English, um, you could find a book and read an interpretation, but that would be the best thing you could do other than hiring an astrologer that you trust. Um, I'm sorry, I know I'm not giving you the most satisfying answer, but there is no way to just like magically know it if you don't know it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, completely. It's it's the whole analogy of like, you know, neuroscientists in the brain. I wouldn't just, you know, you would have to hire someone or you'd have to take multiple, multiple classes. Yeah, yeah. You could read like a I'm sure like a synopsis of like this line means that, but as an actual expert, you would be like, eh, it's like a bastardization of the truth, right? It's like scratching at the surface. Same thing with astrology, because we're talking about you, you know, like I can look at this and see, hold on, let me see something real for just a moment. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Bear with me. No, that's too personal. Bear with me. Um, I mean, I can look at this and from your Pluto, well, no, too personal. Hold on. Let me, you are, you are a private person and I'm going to respect that. Um, okay. How about this? Because you have Neptune at 25 degrees of cancer, Capricorn opposite your Venus, Mars conjunction and cancer. I know that relationships are really important to you and boundaries are not your forte. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So, um, and you're really private. So like, I'm trying to be very respectful and aware of that, but I'm uh, not very private. I don't think you're not very private. Yeah. Would my chart say that? Well, I'm not looking at your houses, but this is what I can see from what I am looking at okay. is that you are really good at sharing, but that you're likely to have like a vulnerability hangover afterwards. Maybe. Is that wrong? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So as, as somebody who counsels, I'm not going to do something that I know is going to make you feel bad later, even though your mercury driven nature is like, just talk about everything, just talk about everything. <laughs> um, but like you're, you're, it's, it makes you feel like a raw nerve afterwards to like, have just like shared really deep personal things. So, um, yeah, that's not, I mean, if you, if you wanted me to, I would, but it's like, I, I wouldn't recommend that you do that. I think it's great to have a private life. I'm a big fan, privacy, big fan. Not everything has to be made public. And anyways, all of that said, I just gave you a sentence, right? Mm -hmm. Neptune opposite Venus, Mars conjunction, relationships are very important to you. Boundaries are uh, an issue. I could put that in a book. You might be like, oh my God, she knows me. But that I could also talk to you about the that one aspect for an hour once a week for several months. 
You know what I mean, girl? Like, yes. this is the thing is like, it, it's so complicated and it depends on how deep you want to go. A lot of people turn to astrology to be like, when will I have a boyfriend or when will I get a job? And these are great uses for astrology. And also you're, it's like, it's like having an itch and scratching it. And then you just make it itchier. Like the answers we get from turning to astrology that way, just like basically as fortune telling, it just makes our neediness of having an answer stronger. It doesn't actually satiate us because you might get an answer that feels accurate, but then what you're going to come back for more because it didn't, it didn't, there's no healing with it, right? There's no tools with it. So this is, as you've heard my podcast and you hear how I read for people, that's what I'm really interested in. Weather reports are great for what they're worth, but when we're talking about a human's nature, I want to honor that. You know what I mean? And so I am always looking for something like, is this person going to have a vulnerability hangover if I talk about their shit in public? And, um, in situations where people say, no, no, it's okay. You can talk about everything, even though I can see damn well that it's not okay. <laughs> I will respect what they tell me and I will talk about shit, but there's certain things that I will not get into in public. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. because I can, I can data dump and I can like impress you, but I'd rather help you. Completely. You know? I, well, what would say that I have a vulnerability hangover? Oh, my friend, a lot of things. You've got moon in the 12th house, which means you are so sensey and you can sit back and reflect on what happened like six months ago, five years ago, ad nauseum. Like you are good for it. You will do that. And you also have Venus and Mars and Cancer <laughs> opposite Neptune, which means you aren't great at boundaries. So you give and give and give and give and give and give and give. And then you're like, oh, why do I feel so empty? What's wrong? Or what did I do wrong? Like, you know, because you get to a place where you're taking care of what you perceive to be other people's needs. And somewhere along the way, lost track of your own, right? Um, let's add more because I got more. I mean, I could keep going is what I'm trying to say, unless you don't want me to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could, we could stop there. It's, it's super interesting that you said the private thing, because I, I'm kind of like shifting my business and my podcast to be more private, because it was very sharing my process and experience. And now I'm starting to be more private. And it feels, I resisted it at first, but it feels a lot better and safer. So it's interesting that you tell me good that. for you. <laughs> good for you. I mean, listen, I feel like there's this conventional wisdom that if you want to develop a following on social media or in podcasting, that what you need to do is share yourself, let people get to know you. And I say, fuck that. You know what they used to say when I was young, they used to say, um, you know, never talk about anything serious on a first day, like always be really appe appealing to people, like make people comfortable. And I also say, fuck that. Like, I just feel like if you have expertise if you've got passion, share that. There's enough people sharing, like emptying their insides online for other people to consume. But we are not products, you know? We are not products. And I think it's really unhealthy to commodify our personal lives. And for some people, it's healthy and it's fine. And many of those people may be Leos. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just teasing. I'm teasing the Leos. But, um, 
But I, I think it's overwhelmingly an unhealthy thing for individuals. And I actually think it can be an unhealthy thing for those consuming that content, you know, because you have the sense of a relationship with someone when you don't have a relationship with someone because a relationship implies a two-way street, a back and forth. And it, it leads to this like problem we have of loneliness in our society. So I think it's a very layered thing. And I hope more people of your generation, that Pluto and Sagittarius generation, um, give yourselves permission to say, yeah, my personal life's fucking private. And there's certain things I'm happy to share in public. And there's other things I'm not sure about. So I won't, because here's the thing, the Wayback Machine, uh, you know what the Wayback Machine is, right? That shit goes all the way back. Do you know what it is? No. <laughs> oh, the Wayback Machine is a nightmare. It means that every literal thing that ever goes on the internet is on something called the Wayback Machine. And that means you can never take anything off the internet ever. And I, when I tell you how grateful I am that I'm an older lady, uh, because if I had put shit on the internet in my 20s, even in my early 30s, I would be horrified by some of the things I know I would have done. I would have shared about my personal life. And now that I am in my late 40s, I don't have to be dealing with 25 year old me, you know, and the mess she was. I can, you know, tell you a story about 25 year old me or not. Whereas <laughs> if it's on the internet, it is there forever. So I think it is wise to be judicious about what you share online because it will, it can never be taken down. Like it'll never, it's always there. You know what I mean? So not to make people panic, but panic, my God, <laughs> don't share everything online is my answer. Oh, also, here's another fun fact. Um, is there type two diabetes in your family? No, there's not. You shouldn't. I, I'm. Do you have a sweet? You're pretty sure. I'm Do you have a sweet tooth? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, because you have a Jupiter Saturn square just popped up, and that, and it depends on house placement. I'm not looking at houses. I'm not looking at your chart, but that can always often be, um, an aspect that coincides with type two diabetes, which is you know very preventable with behavior. Um, and so it's definitely have to be careful about that sweet tooth, you know, real definitely. careful. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Mary Poppins and I do believe that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. <laughs> definitely. It's funny that you brought up the type two diabetes thing. Cause, um, because I wanted to ask about medical astrology and I know on podcasts, mm -hmm. people like I'm very resistant to saying any like, look to this or don't look to this, but I'd love to, I, mm -hmm. I love hearing the episodes where you do talk about it a little bit or just like, you know, like addiction or bipolar disorder, or mental health, yeah. or like what could maybe be related to yeah. that. So, so it's, it's one of those things where I don't do it on the podcast as much as I do it in my practice, because I know that like, you know, at the early part of our conversation, you were like, oh, Venus is related to wounding on the mother's side. That is for sure. You hearing something and extrapolating it and using it in a way that could actually be really harmful to you or to someone else, depending on how you're using it. No criticism of you. It's just, that's what happens. You know what I mean? Like you, and medical astrology is a topic that only professional astrologers should use like people not who've decided to take clients but people who have their 10,000 hours you know what I mean like I'm very intensive about that and I just know 
the more I share of it on my podcast, the more there's going to be people who are like, I'm going to do that. I want to know about that in my chart. So I feel a responsibility to not put it into the world too much, which is a shame because I love doing it. And I must have picked up that you wanted to talk about that since I brought it up the whole diabetes <laughs> thing. Um, but uh, the thing about the birth chart is that it is a document that articulates you and you include your mental health and you include your body health. You include your past experiences and your strengths and your challenges, all of it. And so if there is, if you're from a family of athletes, generally that'll show up. And if that family of athletes are athletes because they truly enjoy sport, that'll show up. And if that family of athletes are athletes because they're trying to outrun their aura or they come from a great deal of like pressure to perform, that'll show up. And if it is a motivation that for you doesn't turn you into an athlete, but you do have that same motivation, it might become a workaholism. It might become a substance abuse issue. Um, and if you're living in a time that is unprecedented as you are, where you were raised with the internet and constantly being inundated with images of people who are doing whatever in the world, right? It can show up in a whole new set of ways around your mental health because your generation and younger is dealing with mental health crises that humans have never had to deal with before, right? And like no, no generation has had to worry about the impact of blue light on their brain development before yours, right? Because this is, I mean, maybe millennials, maybe ish, but really it's, it's you guys. And so all of these things can be read in the chart. And that last bit that I shared about how, how something's shown up in your heredity and, you know, your family, it may show up that same way for you, but it may show up differently because you're living through different times with different issues. Like, the amount of crises we are living with and the amount of news that we have pushed into us by our tiny pocket robots is like no generations had that before that combo platter, you know? Um, and so I think the mental health crises that it creates, it requires the astrologer to have a very flexible and adaptable way of engaging with astrology and with the client, if that makes sense. Um, and again, that takes a lot of practice to be able to do that. And also a willingness to be adaptable and flexible and to stay connected to what's happening to young people and what's happening with young people for young people, you know? Um, so it's, it's like a lot of things. It's a lot of things. It's complicated. Definitely. I, now, did, I don't know if I answered that. Did I answer that? <laughs> I think you kind of did. You have me reflecting now on the type two diabetes thing. I'm like, actually, every <laughs> woman in both of my sides of families all have sweet tooth, sweet teeth. And I've never known anything about their blood sugar ever. Yeah. Which is really yeah it's, it's worth asking. You know, it's worth asking. And, you know, that that aspect. And again, I'm not looking at your whole chart, but that one aspect is like an easy one for me to pull out because it is the kind of thing that you can take behavioral modifications and change your outcome, period, right? And I have never met, I've rarely, if ever, met someone with that aspect who doesn't have a sweet tooth or who doesn't, maybe they don't have a sweet tooth, but they end up 
eating sweets or drinking sweets all the time. So alcohol breaks down to sugar, everything, so much breaks down to sugar. If you don't have enough healthy fats in your diet, when you're eating carbs, it breaks down to sugar, right? Your body doesn't know what to do with it. And this can over time become a problem or not. And I like to focus on the things that a person can do something with. Like I like my readings to be constructive. So if I saw something terrible that um, you could do nothing about, I would never bring it up. And I've trained myself to not see things that are not constructive to the best of my ability. Um, and people will often say, tell me the bad things. I want to know the bad things. And I think I'm not going to be a part of your masochism, not doing that. I'm sure someone else will do that. I've had terrible experiences with astrology, unfortunately. So I know that some astrologers will do that, but uh, there's no value in it. You know, we want to focus on the things that are within our control and do our best. And the stuff that's out of our control, that becomes psychological and spiritual, you know? Yeah, I was thinking even more about the the type two diabetes thing, which is so funny that you said the thing about I can like think back to any situation and I could sit in a room and think about every situation I could think of for days and never leave the room. But um, with the type two diabetes thing, I actually used to like struggle with binge eating sweets. And it was it's been like four years since that's been a problem. So I just like didn't even think of it in this moment with this, because I guess I have already made like a behavioral modification with that. Yeah. Well, first of all, good for you that you've been able to like work out a binge issue because that's a pain in your ass. Right. But also that there it is. It's like this, like the part of your nature that has a, a difficulty. So the reason why the Jupiter Saturn square is specifically related to type two diabetes is because that aspect in the birth chart articulates a difficulty with proportion. What's too much? What's not enough? Jupiter is freedom and Saturn is restriction. So it's like, I feel bad. So I'll eat something that makes me feel good. Now I, I, I feel good, but I still feel bad. So I'm going to keep on eating that thing that makes me feel good until I feel gross and awful. And now I feel bad, bad. Okay. So now I feel bad, bad. So I have to do something. I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to scroll on TikTok for 20 hours. Like, you know, it's like this thing of trying to process through difficulty in a way that does more good then harm is very difficult for people with this aspect. And so we'll often develop these maladjusted habits. Like I have social anxiety. So I just drink whenever I'm around people um, as a way to manage our shit instead of sitting with our shit and working it out. And this is why time exists so that we can like through time develop skills and work shit out. Right. But um, that Jupiter Saturn square in your teen years is going to show up really differently then in your 20s, then in your 40s, then in your 70s, etc. Right. So and then if I was looking at the houses, I would know what parts of your body were most likely or your psyche were most likely to be impacted by um, that particular aspect. I didn't even notice the signs they were in. Honestly, ah, they were in cardinal signs. Now I, I remember, but I'm not focusing on that in my interpretation because I'm just doing like a quick boom. You know? Yeah, let's super interesting. I mean, even in myself, I have a lot to think about. So I hope everyone listening will just be <laughs> staring at their chart and maybe not sure what they're looking at. Um, that's, that's the, and that's the thing that's so hard is like, if you do something as ridiculous as getting a medical astrology book, you will be bored to tears. 
You will be so bored. It is the least interesting thing in the world is reading a medical astrology book. I say as a medical astrologer. Um, yeah, it's quite, it can be quite boring because again, it's like you have to be an astrologer to read it. Otherwise there's no like intro to medical astrology for people who don't know astrology. You know what I mean? So don't stare at your chart looking for these things is my advice. Um, not at all is my advice, which is so annoying of me because it is the most fascinating topic and everyone has a body and everyone wants to not get sick and everyone wants this kind of help. But it's like, if I'm going to say to you, I have a beautiful set of knives here, play with them. I'm an asshole. Even if you really want to play with those knives, I know that the bulk of that knife is sharp and you are likely to hurt yourself if you're just like playing willy nilly with knives. So I have to be like really aware of the fact that astrology can actually hurt people like the way we use astrology can bring harm and i don't want to be the cause of that so that's why i'm so annoying about talking about medical astrology i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah i mean annoying but responsible i've i guess i've only had one negative experience with like a psychic reader and i went there and she was like this week will be the worst week of your life and i was like i don't i'm not we're not doing this reading <laughs> this is what i asked great. for <laughs> I had a period where I was meeting with astrologers because I had a concern about something and I wasn't objective about it. And I rarely look at, a, you know, meet with other astrologers and I will not name their names. Um, but I met with three astrologers and two of them said, you have cancer, you have cancer and this is serious and you're going to need to deal with it. And that was, I think seven years ago. And I didn't have cancer and I don't have cancer. And even if I did, even if I did, it was wrong of them to have said it, to say, this looks serious. I'm not sure what I'm seeing. You definitely need to see a doctor. I would have gone to the doctor. You know, I would have, you know, figured that out, but they were wrong. And it was so traumatizing for me, even though I'm an astrologer and I knew better and I knew they were wrong. And I knew that it was like such bad, bad ethics to do that. Um, and but that experience really like, it was the first time I had experienced it. I've met so many clients who've experienced stuff like that, but some people just shouldn't be given a microphone is basically what I'm trying to say. And they are a couple of them, um, even though they both do have microphones, pretty big ones, but it, it is what it is, you know? And, and I think it's really important when meeting with any kind of person who is going to talk to you about something you feel vulnerable about to be really discerning about how they communicate the level of experience they have, how well they listen and how they make you feel, whether it's a doctor, a mechanic, uh, you know, astrologer, whatever. It's like, we have to be really discerning and to remember to be respectful to the practitioner, but also like when you're hiring someone to do something for you, they're working for you. So you can interrupt them and say, I don't like this. This is the wrong direction. Like we have to be assertive with our practitioners, I feel like. And um, I'm always happy when my clients do that with me. And I encourage anyone who's getting an astrology reading, if somebody starts to freak you out, say, this is just sparking anxiety in me and redirect the fucking conversation. You know what I mean? Because you don't want someone ruining your brain. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I yeah. heard you talking about this on another episode and how you're saying you go into the doctor and you have very specific things. And I'm the same way. Like I want this blood test and they're like, you shouldn't do that. That's ridiculous. Um, no, I know this is high. Do this blood test. Um, yes. 
And like Good that's for you. the level of like knowledge you should have about yourself to go in and like have done your own research. And, you know, sometimes doctors don't like that, but I know yeah, we're over too. time. So, oh yeah, I hadn't even looked at that. We're probably <laughs> over. Okay. Tell me what's, what's our final question. I guess I have two, but maybe just one. I really wanted to ask about, maybe you can't talk about this because it's another medical astrology thing about there's anything to do with like bipolar disorder in a chart, but I wanted to end with, you know, typical astrology question, any themes to expect the rest of the year? I know we're going into eclipse season. Um, yeah. Anything like that? Sure. So bipolar disorder is something that I will just say really briefly. There are many different ways that people get diagnosed with bipolar. And over the course of my career, I have seen many people being given a diagnosis of bipolar, but they've never had a manic or depressive episode, which I find really confusing. <laughs> I'm not a therapist, right? Um, but I feel like sometimes diagnoses are just thrown around. Um, conversely, I've seen people convinced that they're having deep spiritual experiences when they're having a manic episode, right? So I think it is important for me to say that having a spiritual crisis can come along with a psychological crisis. And a psychological crisis can sometimes come along with a spiritual crisis and that it's important to take medicine when we need medicine, you know, um, looking for signifiers of bipolar disorder is, I think, a fool's errand in the birth chart. I mean, I do it because I can, but I will say for a person who's not an astrologer, the thing to do is to look at, is there bipolar disorder in your family? Because that is a very specific thing that runs in families. It can often skip a generation, but it runs in families. So if you know through common sense and lived experience, bipolar disorder runs in your family. Okay, now we know. Your chart would tell you the same thing. Your chart's not going to tell you something that investigating your own family won't tell you in that regard necessarily. I mean, it, it might in some ways, but let's just keep it common sensey. That's my answer to that one. Um, I see how I didn't give you any astrological information, but I did it with responsibility. Okay. And then the other question you asked me. Um, so yeah, we're we're in eclipse season. The first eclipse is on October 25th. And then there's another one, November 2nd or 8th. I can't remember. I think the 8th. Um, and that's not what I'm going to tell you about though. What I'm going to tell you about is... We are in the retro shade of a Mars retrograde. The last time we had a retrograde from Mars was in 2020. At the end of 2020, nothing much was going on, as you know. 2020 was such a chill year. Um, and that is sarcasm. So uh, I, so Mars is going to be retrograde. I believe it's like Halloween-ish until January 12th of 2023. So for a while. And there will be a very important transit the first hit of which is exact today as we record called Mars square to Neptune. And this transit is really tricky. It can kick up a lot of anxiety and malaise, helplessness, hopelessness. It can also facilitate um, doing deep spiritual work. It is not a good time for doing drugs. Uh, a lot of people who are like spiritual, like to do drugs and like spiritual facilitators, not a great time for it. On a more social and political level, I think we will see more of what we have been seeing, where religious extremists are upholding their um, way of controlling 
through patriarchal systems, through governments, through money, through these kinds of patriarchal things. And it is frightening. I am very scared of it, to be honest. Um, and so what I think for those of us who are interested in making sure that our spirituality is not just like a thing we think, but also paired with action in the material world, I think it's really important to cultivate spiritual skills and spiritual resources that support us in tolerating the chaos that is happening in the world. And as the economy and our personal safety may feel at risk also in our lives. And that is um, not instead of doing things, but it is as a support for doing the right things, if that makes sense. We're going to need bravery. And I think the kind of bravery we're going to need is will be greatly helped by our spirituality because of the Mars Neptune square. So I hope that's not cryptic. I hope that makes sense. Yes. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I'm intrigued mm-hmm. to see how that'll play out. I'm going to be optimistic about it. Um, yes. The state of 2020 was very interesting, but this has been yeah. so fun. Um, I'm so excited you're on the show, but sadly we're over time. <laughs> so it's we're terrible. Gonna- and I now wish I could ask you a million questions about <laughs> what you've studied and what you do. Um, so yeah. we'll have to save that for another conversation. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're so welcome. Where can everyone find you on the interwebs? On the interwebs, I um, my my podcast is called Ghost of a Podcast, so it comes out once a week. Although I'm thinking about breaking it into twice a week, I don't know if I will. Um, and I have a Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Jessica I have an Instagram if you want to see me as a planet. Uh, describing the transits from the perspective of the planets, go to my Instagram. Uh, and there's lots of free stuff on my website at lovelaniato.com. Oh, and I have a book. It's called Astrology for Real Relationships. And it does not do aspects. It just does um, like planets in signs and houses. So if you want, if you need to start, if you want to start there, it's a, it's a good book and it's cute. So yeah. yeah, I think I will get it and start there. And then I'll come back Yay. to you for the aspects questions. I am very down for that. I love that. Yeah, yeah. well, thank you so much. Um, thank you.